We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Embiid, Harden, driving, floating, and hitting! Harden, back to six! Clap your hands, Sixers fans! Your boys have won five in a row. Youth was served for about two and a half quarters, and then things righted back up again. Well, there you go. Uh, Kate Scott, who actually will be with us later in the show, and Allah Abdel Nabi talking uh, last night after the game as the Sixers come back from oof, a huge early game deficit. They don't even show up in the first half. And then they come back and win the game 125 to 119. Good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday morning in the Delaware Valley. I'm Glenn Mack now, along with my pal, Ray Dinger. Ray, mm-hmm. we're basketball guys. <laughs> we are now. Huh? <laughs> we are now. Who isn't? I mean, everybody in town's really excited, and you should be. They've got a fun team to watch and a team that, um, by any objective measure, really has a chance to make some noise in the postseason, I think. I, I don't think that's dreaming to talk about that. 4-0 and now with James Harden, and, you know, people said, well, you know, your first game was against Minnesota, which, by the way, it's not a bad team. They're not a terrible Minnesota's team. Minnesota's going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to make the playoffs out there in the West. Oh, they will. They're above 500 and beat them on the road in the first game, and then you play the Knicks back-to-back, and, yeah, the Knicks are pretty lousy, but Cleveland, Cleveland is a good team, and Cleveland came in here with a lot of energy, and I think that they uh, they were going to win the there's there's a lot we're going to discuss with this. By the way, two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. But um, one of the aspects of it that's that's really um, impressive is you get the sense that the Sixers lineup can just wear you down. You don't want to spot the other team points in every game, right? But they kind of have. But eventually they will wear you down. They put. Minnesota and New York in big-time foul trouble, as I recall. Right. Uh, that didn't happen so much yesterday. But, I mean, I guess at the end of the first quarter, what was the score at the end of the first quarter? It was, it was, it was pretty bad. Oh, yeah. 43-30. Yeah, 40, 40, 43-30. Yeah, it was like 40-18 to 18 or something at one point. And you got the feeling like, uh, okay. But as soon as they started to come back, I felt, okay, they're going to be great. It is, be a little, it is a little alarming when you get to halftime and the other team has 71 points. Yeah. That's, that's a little alarming. Yeah, they're going to have to learn to play some defense. They will. I mean, and we knew, you know, James Harden brings a lot to the table, but defense is <laughs> no defense isn't one of them. No. So you know, and you saw early. I mean, Cleveland came Cleveland came out hot. I mean, they were hot, but the but the but the Sixers were giving them an awful lot of easy baskets. They they had a lot of easy paths to the hoop uh, in that first half, especially the first quarter. I think they I think they hit their first nine shots, and. Um, yeah, I mean they're going to have to play. They're going to have to play. They don't play much defense in the NBA in the regular season, but in the postseason they do, and they're going to have to get better at that. Yeah, they're going to have to get better at that. One of the things that you've really seen uh, over these four games is the amazing emergence of Tyrese Maxey, mm-hmm. who was a nice second-year player to begin with. By the way, give Daryl Morey some credit. Found him with the twenty-first pick of the draft. And made the Harden trade without giving him up. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the longest time in all the discussions, whenever people were proposing, and it went on for weeks, if not months, the, the Harden trade, every proposed package that you saw of what the Sixers would have to give up to get Harden, they all included Tyrese Maxey. They all included Tyrese Maxey. And I, to be honest with you, as much as I wanted to see Harden come here because I thought it was the right move, I really felt bad. I thought, i, I got to hate giving up Maxey because I think he really is a star on the rise. And... So for Morey to make the trade and keep Maxi, I thought was, <laughs> I mean that was the cherry on top of the on top of the Sunday right there. It was now now you've got real three really explosive offensive elements in your team. Yeah, and it pays off last night because Embiid was uh, not spectacular yesterday. Was kind of missing some shots. Uh, James Harden got in early foul trouble, which kept him off the floor a lot. Um, and you needed somebody, particularly in that second half, and my God, Ray, the explosiveness of this kid is really something. The speed, now that he's off the ball, and we've talked about this, now that he's off the ball, 
the explosiveness is is amazing. Yes, and the shooting. That's the thing. I mean, he's he's become um, a really good shooter from distance now. I mean, he was a guy that could last year he had great speed. He could take it to the basket. He could create his own shot. He could shoot off the dribble. He could do all that stuff. But he wasn't really a threat from three point. You saw last night that he was. Yeah. I mean, he hit five out of six from three point, and the one that he missed was in and out. The one he was in, it looked like it should have gone in and bounced out. So, yeah, last year he last year he shot thirty uh, percent from three. This year he's shooting forty percent from three. So you know what that shows, Glenn? It's interesting. Yeah, I know what it shows. If if you work at it, yes, you <laughs> might get better at it. How about that? Yes. And so, what are you trying to say, Ray? Uh, I'm suggesting that there's a lesson there for uh, the young man from Australia if he cares to pay attention. I don't think he, he's he's too busy trying to figure out what's going on with his back. Can Tyrese Maxey? I uh, I know this is always a dangerous exercise to do based on a handful of games. You know, last year and and this year, but we thought that um, we we thought w- that the Sixers might need that third star. Right? You always need that third star. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to make a team in the NBA be that good. That that's what the NBA is about. You need three guys, and uh, it's not going to be Tobias Harris, right? And it wouldn't appear that way. Okay. So you have Embiid as a certified star. You have Harden as a certified star. I mean, these are two guys who will be in the Hall of Fame one day. Can Maxi emerge as that third guy? You know, you go back to the 82-83 Sixers and what they were about. Can Maxi be, well, I don't want to say can he be Andrew Tony because they're all different players. But yes. Can he, but can he be that third guy, make an all-star team or two, not not become one of the top 20 players in the league, but a guy who during his career make a couple all-star games, maybe have a 20-point year down the road? Yeah, I think it's, I think that's I, I think that's possible. Yeah. I don't I don't think that's uh dreaming. Um it's funny, when I was on with uh, Joe DeCamera and John Ritchie on Wednesday, um, we, a caller called up and, tr- and was comparing Maxie to Andrew Tony, And I said, I said, yeah, pump the brakes on that one. You know, I, th- I mean, I, I really like this kid. Uh, yeah. And I think, we're, I think you're really starting to see him emerge from being a good player to being a real good player. Um, but we know what Andrew Tony was, and we know what he contributed to the championship. So I'm not ready to make that comparison. Plus, they're different. Andrew was bigger. Yeah, I know. Andrew was bigger and more physical than this kid. Yeah, yeah. And 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 certainly Andrew had proven over time that he was a great shooter from distance. It could be we're seeing that Maxie might be getting there, but he's not there right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, best caller of the day today wins a fifty dollars gift card to Shibe Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Visit them in their Center City, in Center City, or at ShibeSports.com. Uh, so we always look to give away that $50 gift certificate. It impressed me yesterday because Cleveland came in wanting to win, right? The NBA has so many games, road games, that often a team, as as Doc Rivers says, scheduled loss. And it wasn't for Cleveland. They came in wanting to win. They played hard. Uh, and the Sixers, after that terrible defensive effort at the beginning, really got it together, got their fourth straight win. And I and – I, I'm I'm really impressed with this team and and really enjoying this team. Yeah, in the second half when they they obviously had halftime and Maxi said it in his post game interview was at halftime all we talked about was the defense. We got to come out. We got to play defense. We got to get some stops. We can't let this team score every possession. And so that was that was what they talked about in the locker room. And they came out in the second half and they played much better defense. I mean, the second half what did Cleveland get forty eight points. I mean, it was mm-hmm. I mean they and a lot of stops. The Sixers tightened up the defensive pressure, and it made a difference. They can play defense when they want to, and in the playoffs they're going to have to if they want to win. Yeah, and they're also going to have to figure out how to uh, <laughs> how to play against the zone, which still is a problem for them. But yes. They're going to have to figure that out. But you put Maxie and, and uh, Harden in the backcourt and beat up front, There's, I don't know that any defense is going to stop that in the long run. Tonight, Miami, uh, Eastern Conference leading team. Then they go play third-seeded Chicago Monday night. And then they come home Thursday to play the Nets. It's a big, big week, man. Yeah, this will be. Uh, this is the stretch that's going to tell you a little bit more about the team. Um, and we knew that. And last night was the was the first was the first step down that road. And Cleveland's good. I mean, they're they're legit. And they came in, and as you said, they came in. They wanted to make a statement of their own. And for a half, they did. But the Sixers came back and got the better of them. This is going to be a real test. I mean, you play that game, which I mean, you had to play it hard for forty eight minutes to win it. 
And then you got to hop on a plane and fly down to Miami and play a really good yeah. Miami team. Miami's won 42 games this year. They're 20 yep. games over 500. So yeah. this, yeah, this this is one of those games where the schedule certainly isn't doing the Sixers any favor. But you know, let's see how they handle it. Yeah, I mean, Miami's they know they, they know yeah. the challenge. I mean, yep. they know it's in front of them. Let's see how they handle it. Two on five five nine two ninety four ninety four. We'll grab a call or two here. Dennis in Springfield starts us. Dennis, I hear you went to your first game in a long time last night. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, before and before I get to my uh, Maxi Simmons trade trade point, I went last night. It's probably the first live event I went to in maybe five years with with COVID and all the other stuff and all. And two observations were: what, uh, first of all, it's incredible what they do down there. I mean, that it is so much fun. I'm yeah. 63 years old, and I had a blast. And my other observation is the amount of young kids in the stands is incredible. I mean, there are kids all over the place. When you say and, kids, and I, you mean children kids or you mean like I, I, I 18 mean to 25 like under, kids? No, no, I mean like under 15. Yeah. Oh, they're listen, they are doing a great job right now of bringing in the next generation. And if I'm going to just throw in a slight parenthetical sidebar, Ray, as opposed to another franchise currently playing. Yeah, we'll get to them later. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was like comparing it to baseball. And these, oh, well, that if, too. If, these kids, if, if these kids are going to Sixers games, there's no way they want to go to a baseball game and, and sit there and be bored to tears for three hours. Yeah, but you know it's also always about when your team is good. If you That's went to the true. Phillies games between 2007 and 2011, it was, it was a pretty damn good show. Now, as, as far as Maxi goes, and uh, I, I, I've been listening to a lot of the trade talk and a lot of the trade discussion – and it seems like the national media is tripping all over themselves to praise Ben Simmons' defense and court awareness. Well, you know what? I'll take what Maxie brings seven days out of seven, as opposed to Ben Simmons holding a guy who may score 25 and holding him to 16 and, and, and being able to see the court. That kid, Maxie, he plays with such joy and enthusiasm and talent. I mean, he's really, really good. You, you you insert him, remove Simmons. To me, that's a major plus. I, I don't see how the Sixers Hold on. can me, even be thought of losing that trade. Le, Ray, uh, you uh, you in the mood to defend Ben Simmons on any level? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> I th- no. I think I, I think you know, I think he makes a really good point. You know, it's uh, Maxi is uh, Maxi is a fun player to watch, and I've said all along. I it amazes me that that Simmons still has people out there that that talk about him like he's some kind of superstar. That's I, I just don't see it. You know, I, I just don't see that he does the things that win you championships. I just, you know, okay, he can play defense, fine. But, you know, I mean, he can't – we all know he can't shoot. And, you know, and you got Harden to distribute the ball, and Harden sees the court as well as, as well as Simmons does. So, I mean, this whole idea that Simmons is, you know, is this enormous – I hate the term – generational talent. I mean, oh, that was it, man. That was it. Well, we've certainly left that in the rearview <laughs> mirror. But, I mean, I don't, I don't even think he's a particularly good player. I really don't. You know, all those kids down at the game that he references and people a lot older than that, to me, if I, if I could buy stock in something, I would buy stock in maxi number zero jerseys. Mm-hmm. First of all, I think number zero is a cool number to wear. Yeah. I do. It's it's I, I don't know if he's got a story behind it. Often guys do. I'm sure he does. Yeah. Uh, but I think zero I'm is sure cool. he, I'm sure he asked for it. Yes, yeah, I'm sure I don't asked, think they just they didn't, him, they didn't just hand him. Hey, welcome one. to the team. You're the first round pick. Here's number zero. Right. So there's there's got to be a story behind it. I would like to know. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's that's the to me that's the jersey to get. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, they're, number, they're selling a few number ones right now. Yes, they are. And it's <laughs> at number twenty-one, still always. I'm seeing. I'm actually. It's amazing. I mean, Harden hasn't been here this long, but I was in. I was walking around Center City the other day. I can't tell you how many people in Harden jerseys already is that right? are wearing them in Center wow. City. Yeah. Hey, people are really ready to win. Yeah, they are. You know, the people who hung with this franchise through all those horrible years, and I'm certainly not don't want to relitigate the process, but I always appreciated the fans who kind of hung in, hung in, hung in. Um, and it's been it's been uh, 40, 39 years since the Sixers won a title. Which means that most of our listeners were not alive when the Sixers, or certainly have no memory of the Sixers winning a title. Mm-hmm. They're due. Yeah. Should we work on the other team at this point too? Um, no, that's later. We're gonna. We'll get to them later. Okay. 
Lee. Even, even, her, even her coach is fed up with him. Yeah, well. Right, his, have you see, did you see yes. his press conference after Thursday's game? Yeah, join the club. Yeah. Lee, you're on with uh, Ray and Glenn. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, Lee. Uh, so I was at the game yesterday, too, uh, like Dennis was. Uh-huh. And like, like he said, Maxie just plays. He's just so happy on the court all the time, and it just radiates like a good energy on the floor. And like he said, all the young fans there like that. Like, I'm only 18 years old, and I had – some of the most fun I've had at a Philly sports event in a long time. And um, when yeah. they were down by 20, I, re- I really wasn't nervous because we were shooting over 50% when we were down by 20 points. Yes. The Sixers finished the first half shooting 55%. That was the good news. I think the bad news is that Cleveland was at, what, 63%? Right. Yeah, they were they were at something out yeah. of this world. But, yeah, um, you know, people were talking about how um, the national media really is giving the Nets a lot of credit for – I don't really know what they Simmons hasn't played. He's making headlines about how he can dunk, and the guy that we got to keep is averaging 27 points since Harden's gotten here. So, I mean, Lee, here's what I think that is, because you mentioned that, and the previous caller Dennis mentioned that, and here's what I think that is, and and Ray, I know, will back me up on this. Ray, when when people say national media now, they sometimes and and please, Lee, I'm not I'm not taking a shot at you, but this is what yeah, I think. No. Okay, that's okay. People look at the national media, and what they're looking at is the blabbering, yammering ninnies who are on the ESPN, Fox Sports Network, those national talk shows right? who yeah. have to have a take. Mm-hmm. And the take can't be, wow, this looks like a good trade for the Sixers. The take has to be, I'm going to say something that's going to draw me a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Right. It's right. the Skip yeah. Bayless school of being a jackass. Sure. That's, and, that, and that's what I think it is. I think if you surveyed 100 national media people who know basketball, you'd find five with that opinion. But they're the loudest voices. Yeah, that, that's true. But anyway, I, I was really trying to drive home the point. Maxie's just such a fun guy to watch. Some of the shots he was making, even under the basket yesterday, were unbelievable. Oh, yeah. He really is. Oh, yeah. Fan favorite. He and, and deservedly so. So much energy, speed. Love him. Just love them. All right, I, we're gonna we're gonna stick with that, but I want to work in football uh, today. You and I tomorrow, Ray. We're gonna do the Ray Dinger draft preview feature every week, and tomorrow you're gonna feature, I believe, combine heroes or yes, combine yeah. frauds or whatever yes. you want to call them. Yes, yeah, the, the um, you know the the mystery of the combine is the is the, why you know and why do scouts and talent evaluators continue to continue to f- get fooled by Guys in cheese urchin shorts. Okay, you know, it's going to touch on the Kenny Pickett doll hands issue. Yeah, he's yeah, uh, yeah, he, he he did not measure nine inches across, so that's oh, a big problem. It's it, it, so I'm told. Yeah. Okay, so, but I do want to I want to work this in, and well, and everybody who's on hold the Sixers, don't go anywhere because we're really going to get to you. I want, but I want to make this a a two pronged show. Um, much was made of Nick this week, and I I don't know if you discussed this when you were on earlier in the week. I didn't hear you, but. The mini free throw setup that he brought and how when the Eagles interviewed some of the kids at the Combine, they had to do like a free throw shooting contest against the coach. Yeah. I'm okay with it. Okay. Um, And I'm okay with it because if nothing else to me, it provides a little bit of a change of pace for these 22-year-olds. They're giving the same interview Again and again and again, and sitting down at a table with this GM and this coach and this club president being asked the same questions. To me, if Nick just says, you know, I'm going to shake it up and move them out of that element into something else, I'm good with that. What okay. do you think? What's okay. your take? Um, I mean, it's okay. I mean, it's, it's to me, it, it strikes me as a little goofy. But you know, I mean, if that's if well, that's, we got goofy. If that's going to be his, if that's going to be his mo, all right. You know, uh, what I don't like is, I mean, if if you're, if you're just doing it to change it up and have a little fun with the guy, okay. Um, but I heard Nick in his press conference when he talked about it, saying, "I want to see how competitive they are." I, come on, I mean, really? I mean, playing playing throwing a Nerf ball, you're going to learn how competitive a football player is. You know, I. I will always say this. I will continue to say this <laughs> until uh, until I stop doing this job. But the answer, all the answers that really matter, you find them on the tape. You find out how competitive a guy is by putting the tape on and watching him play. You're not not by shooting free throws with a Nerf ball. I mean, that's if you would just want to have a little fun with the guy and lighten the mood, 
and that, that's fine. But don't try and sell that to me as that's a way you're going to find yeah, a really competitor. Yeah, and I heard him say that, and I don't buy it either. I mean, I, I, I hope that's not what he believes. I hope what he believes is I just want to f- loosen this kid up and find out about him. Does he fit our culture? Is he, is he a guy who would, would do well here? Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, I'm sure the Eagles ha- sit down with, you know, how, he, how he's not playing Nerf ball with him, right? How he's not putting a sweatband over his forehead and putting on the high tops and running around. We, we don't know that. Well, I'm hoping Howie just has that standard interview, and then Nick takes him to a different setting and just looks at it differently. And to me, that's, that's a good thing. Howie, you, I, Howie's going to come out in the, uh, in the Will Farrell outfit with the headband <laughs> and, the short, and the little short shorts. Oh, I, I, I want to see that. Perspiring heavily. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the Will Farrell semi-pro look. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so that's going on. The combine is going on. And in 11 days, Ray, it's the new NFL season, which is going to be – very exciting because it's going to be free agency and we're going to have a lot more draft talk and stuff's going to happen. Sounds like Amari Cooper's going to be out in Dallas. Aaron Rod- By the way, is there a bigger attention whore in this country right now than Aaron Rodgers? No, I, I put him right at the top of my list. Right, clutching for more attention. Rumors has it that Washington is pursuing both Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I think, first of all, I don't think Russell Wilson would have any interest in going to Washington. You wouldn't think so. And second of all, I think that a team with an owner accused of sex improprieties going for Deshaun Watson would be about as bad a PR move as you could make. Yeah, I mean, with everything that's been said about the Washington organization and what a terrible, you know, what a terrible climate it's been and toxic environment and a lot of it having to do with sexual harassment, they can't. They, they can't. I know they've been pretty clueless in the area of public relations, but they can't very well pursue Deshaun Watson. Right. So I just want to put that in. So you can call about uh, Sixers basketball. You can talk about. Uh, the Eagles in the NFL or anything else. Just one other thing before the, we go to the break. And everybody on hold, stick there. We're going to get you. Uh, a lot of new stuff going on with you that uh, I want to I want to mention. First of all, very exciting, March 18th. And I know that we've mentioned this, but I want to pump it up a little bit. At Harris AC, at Harris Inn, Atlantic City, Ray Dinger is going to be this year's winner of the Francis Reds Bagnell Award from the Maxwell Club. What is that award specifically, Ray? It's one of those sort of um, contributions to the game of contributions to the game of football kind of award. Um, you know, lifetime achievement kind of thing. They're nice. Irving Thalberg kind of thing at the Yeah, out at the Oscar. sure. I guess that's the I guess that's the football equivalent. <laughs> it's basically they're basically telling you you've been around a long time. Uh, I think they're telling you you've been around a long time and you've done amazing work. So that that is great. I'm I'm really looking forward to being there myself. Uh, other winners that night, by the way, Jonathan Taylor gets the Burt Bell Award. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Taylor, the Bengals coach, is the coach of the year. Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback, is the college player of the year. I don't know, offense player of the year. Jordan Davis of uh, George is the defensive player He's of getting the, the year. Award, right? But all of those, my friend, will pale in comparison <laughs> to the standing ovation that is heard, oh, all the way across the Atlantic when Ray Dinger. It's that Red Bagnell Award. I guess I have to write a speech, don't I? Oh, yeah. Okay. I know your speech. I've seen you open for Conklin and uh, Big Daddy. Well, hopefully I'll do better. Which, that. by the way, I'm doing on March 25th. Oh, good we'll, for we'll, you. we'll get to that another week. Uh, and and last thing here before we go to the break, um, people ask us all the time, hey, is Tommy and me coming back? When do I get to see Tommy and me? Is it ever coming back? You got some news. This is this is so exciting. I am, re- I am really excited about that because we – we finally got the green light this very week, um, and yes, Tommy and me is indeed coming back, uh, and I'm really excited because it's going to a new theater. Uh, it's going to the Bucks County Playhouse, which is a great, great theater with, tre- is. with a tremendous history, beautiful setting up in New Hope, right on the Delaware River. Uh, and, and, a, and a part of town where you haven't had the opportunity to do the show. So I think you're going to get a whole new fan yeah, base. Yeah, we've never had the show up in Bucks County. We've done it three times in Philadelphia. We did it last year in Wilmington. We did it once at the Media Theater out in Delco. We've never been to Bucks. Uh, so I know that's Eagles country up there. And people have often said, why don't you bring it up here? Well, we are. And uh, it, it, we will open. It's right around the corner, April the 7th, and we will run 10 performances Whoa. to 10 performances through April the 17th. You got your team ready? You got you to have to hold training camp quick, two well, we days. Got the same cast is coming back, so they, they, won't have to, they won't have to spend a whole lot of time in rehearsal. Uh, but April, we open April 7th. We run through April 17th, 10 performances, and tickets are now on sale. So if you go to the Bucks County Playhouse 
website, and you'll see the Tommy and Me logo. You can click on it, and you can order your tickets today. And we have some wonderful folks coming in to host the post-show Q&As. You've already volunteered to do it. Joe Conklin's going to do it. Uh, Sal Palantonio's going to do it. Mike Sealski's going to do it. So we're going to have some really good, great. really good people and some really fun nights. Well, it's a great show. If you haven't seen it and you uh, in any way can get up to Bucks County, go see it. If you have, I don't even have to sell you. You'll probably go see it again. All right, 215-592-9494. Bill and Fred and Mike, stick around. We will get you guys coming up. Anybody else is invited to join. Tell us your story at noon today. Dave Poulin, one of the most popular flyers of all time. At 1125, we're going to talk to Sixers broadcaster Kate Scott. And this week's uh, Scheib Sports This Week in Philadelphia History is a, how do I want to say this? It's a bad moment for the Eagles but a brilliant moment in the history of Ray Didinger. <laughs> Can both things be true? Yeah, oh, sure. 215-592-949. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Right, Andrew Glenmack now, 94 WIP. Let's see what Bill in Princeton has to say about his local basketball squad. Hey, Bill. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Bill? Wonderful. So, so um, Ray, I had the pleasure of meeting you on Monday night. You went to a uh, college basketball game at Jefferson <laughs> against uh, little Nyack College. I'm a trustee at Nyack, and um, I uh, p- first told myself I wasn't going to call over and say hello because you were sitting by yourself, obviously for a reason. But I said hello just to just to recognize you. But it was wonderful to see. Uh, you enmeshed in uh, Division Two basketball, and Nyack College is one of those ones that you know. They're most of those students are first generation um, immigrants, first ones graduating from college. But it was wonderful to see you. Um, well, I was yeah. Well, I was I was out there. That was that was Herb McGee's final game on that floor uh, after 55 years. So oh, so I felt so like uh, so I felt like I had to be there for that moment, and it was uh, it was it was re- it was really a fun night as as all those nights at uh, at Jefferson. Uh, have always been it's uh it's just going to seem it just seems going to seem so strange uh to see that team take the floor next year and herb not be there but i had to be there for the final night absolutely yeah well i my my father uh you know an 80 year old uh you know grew up in pennsylvania was was envious uh, that he didn't get to say hello but um i did take a, a snapshot of the nyack students and you were in the background so um uh, but thank you for uh for you know, for, oh. for living sports and everything that you said. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks for saying hi, Bill. Bill, I got to get yeah. you to the Sixers here. Yeah. So I, what I was thinking is, and I said this to the producer, you know, prior to um, prior to this trade, I wouldn't look to see you know when are the Sixers playing next. Just like I'm not looking for when are the Flyers playing next. But now, I'm looking for every game and calling my nephew and saying when are we going to get together. I'm calling all of my vendors and saying okay who's going to take me to the next game. And, and with Harden, what I love, the, the thing I wanted to make the point is as great as he is, it kind of reminds me of the moment, you know, when Pete Rose was signed and not just what he did as an individual, but he made a guy like Mike Schmidt get over the top and other players. So just be interested in your thoughts of that. No one ever talked about that prior to the Harden trade. Obviously everyone's talking now about how, how he's investing in Maxi. That's what I just love to see. Yeah. He's a great player sharing. Well, it's a good point. Uh, I don't want to burst his bubble by saying that it wasn't until Pete Rose's second year here, right, that the Phillies won a World Series. He came in 79. Came in 79. And, and they didn't do as well as they should have. No, it wasn't his fault. He had 330. Yeah, year. well, right. But the but the, the team had issues. But then in 80, they did put it together and won their first World Series. And I, I, I've, I've said it a million times, and I'll say it again. I still to this day believe they would never have won the World Series if they didn't get Pete. I really, I really do think he was the missing piece. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't here at the time. To me, the closest I have to this kind of experience watching my teams is either Roy Halladay coming to the Phillies to complete that amazing rotation. Mm-hmm. And again, they didn't win the World Series with Halladay, but they did pretty damn well. 102 games. Yeah, or Terrell Owens 
when it came to the Eagles and the amazing excitement that that created and what that season was right up until the Super Bowl. Yeah. So. Yeah, same kind of same kind of impact, same kind of excitement, same kind of anticipation. And yeah, I mean they're you know, it's not going to be easy. I mean, uh, uh, some people are sort of conceding them or sort of uh, sort of handing them the East now. And I don't think Oh gosh, gonna, no. I don't think it's going to be easy at all. I mean, the, there are some really good teams in the East. I still think Milwaukee. If if you were to ask me right now, who do, what do you think the Eastern final is going to be? I will tell you I think it's going to be Sixers Milwaukee. I really do. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though Miami's got a great record and they're a good team for sure and you saw Cleveland's a good team and there I mean there are some good teams in the East, but I think it's going to come down. I think it's really going to come down to Sixers Bucks. I really do. And that will be that will be a fun best of 7. The Sixers going to get to play New Jersey along the way. New oh, Jersey. Got to hope so. Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. Hope so. Oh, we all hope so. Yeah. They may hey, they may not even make the playoffs. All right. So the one, the one constant through all of this, and we're excited about Harden, we're excited about Maxi, but of course we're still excited about Embiid. And he, he spoke earlier this week uh, in one of the news conferences about how everything has changed and there's been all these teammates and coaches and general managers, but he, he has tried to define the team's culture through all of the changes. Um, and in what his responsibility is as the face of the franchise. It's a little bit of a long cut here. It's a minute 15. I want to play it for you. I want to get your reaction and the listeners. The coach has changed. The front office has changed. Are you the coach? Uh, I'm in, uh, I've been through a lot. You're <laughs> the <in>. coach. <laughs> I, I, I've been through a lot, whether as you talk about, you know, freaking GMs using burner accounts, <laughs> talking trash on their players, um, you know, uh, I've always thought that I will always have like one coach for the rest of my career in Coach Brown, uh, and obviously you change and you know I've seen you know so many players. I remember my first two or three years. You know we have probably over 80 players in one year, like just guys coming in, you know guys getting cut. Like it's hard. It's hard to keep that culture. So I wouldn't say it's all about me. Obviously, I've been here the longest, and uh, I've been lucky enough to, uh, you know, keep going through trade deadlines and not getting traded and all that stuff. So. <laughs> you know what? That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, it's not about me. I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, we got a bunch of great people that are working behind the scene, whether it's staff or guys in the arena, guys at the, you know, practice facility. Um, so uh, it's not about me. I love him. Yeah, it is about him. But I, 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 I love him. And and listen, when they drafted him. Uh, during those process years, it was such a big risk, and he didn't even play hardly for, what, the first three years? Yeah. And I remember thinking, man, if they get 600 games out of this guy, that, that's there's the over-under, and he's turned into, you know, arguably the best player in the league. He's the MVP this year, right? And can't argue that. No, I mean, people have tried to make a case for a few other players, but no, it's clearly him. Uh, and... Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, you, it's funny. You touched on the same thing that struck me was when he says, well, it's not about me. Yeah, yeah it is about you. Sure it is. It is about you. Because, I mean, you're the, you're the only thing that's left from that. You're that, the face. That run. And you are the face of the team. Uh, and you're the best player on the team. And uh, you, this team has a – and you're the best player having the best season. Uh, and if this team is going to run, make a run at a championship, which they clearly have a chance to do, Yes, Harden's going to have to contribute significantly, and the other guys are going to have to do their part. But it's going to a lot of it's going to fall on you in those mm-hmm. in those big games and in those big moments. You have to look to the to your best player, and it's him. Let me ask you quick. Let's let's do a, a four. We'll wrap it around. Face of the Phillies is that's easy. Bryce Harper. Yeah, and that's good. That's what you want. Mm-hmm. Face of the Eagles, Jason Kelsey. Interesting. Okay. Not too often when you would say a center is yeah. the face of his football. I team. was going to say Nick, but I. Sure, Kelsey. I'm good with Kelsey. Yeah. Um, face of the Flyers. Oh God. It would well, have to. It would, easy... it would have to be Giroux. No, it's not. Well, no, sure it is. It's gritty, I mean, huh? It's gritty. Oh, it is. But it is. Yeah, it is. And which is part of the problem. Yes, but it is. And face of the Sixers is is Embiid. So I can live with three of the four. <laughs> I love him as the face of the franchise. No, no, he's perfect, and he, and he, he fully. I mean, he embraces it. In, yes. in, in his own way, and and he he likes the fans. He enjoys the energy. He's he gets it. You know, he he really gets it. And you just hope, 
you know, I mean, they've really kind of got the pieces in place now to do something really special this year. You know, you just hope that, you know, he doesn't go go down. Oh, you know? gosh, that is always the fear. I mean, that, that, I that does seem to be the way things work here in Philadelphia. But if they can keep everybody, if they can keep this team together and continue to improve and work hard into the offense, it's going to be very hard for anybody to beat them in a best of seven. Yeah, and Joel, Joel has to put together a really strong playoff run. Mm-hmm. There's pressure on him in the postseason to show what he can do. Well, I'll tell you one of the things that, that, that will serve this team very well in the playoffs is, man, they can shoot foul shots. Yes. They, yes. they, they are deadly from the foul line. Yes. I mean, and, and Those top three guys that we talked about are all, I think, all over 80%. Yeah, and, and how many in, in, the, in the playoffs, there's so, many, there's so much time spent at the foul line, and how many games are won and lost by teams in the fourth quarter that can't make foul shots. Yeah. These guys shoot fouls better than any team in yeah. the league. Harden's going to have games where he's like 14 for 16 from the line. Yeah, and Embiid's going to be Embiid's <laughs> going to be shooting anywhere between 15 and 20. <laughs> and the games will last about four hours. Yeah, but that's okay. That's If you win it, it's great. Fred in Haddonfield is on with Ray and Glenn. Hi, Fred. Hi. So, Ray, I idolize you, and the only reason I do is because you can hold two or three different points of view at the same time. I don't know where you learned how to do that, but you I don't know if it's in your genes or if it's something you worked on, but uh, you're very good at that. Well, yeah, uh, I, I'm trying to interpret what you mean. Are you are you suggesting when I hold two different points, are you saying I talk out of both sides of my mouth? No, no, no. It's just that you're not stuck on your opinion as the only way to look at things. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. You're, it's, you're yeah. not locked into. I guess. Okay. Yeah, you're not locked into, you know, looking at things as if, you know the only truth. No, no, and, and and listen, Fred. One thing about and anybody that's listened to me on the radio knows this. I have no problem saying when I'm wrong. If I make a mistake, I'll be the first one to say, "Hey, I was dead wrong on that." So that that's actually pretty easy to do. I mean, we, yeah. nobody's well, nobody's that's perfect. Easy. That's easy, but to hear to hear different points of view and not have to hang up on somebody takes a, something, and I don't know what it is. Oh, I appreciate that, Fred. Thanks. Yeah. You've never um, met Roy, didn't you, have you? No. Well, he comes out every once in a while. Just stay tuned. My evil twin, but yes. that's okay. Go ahead. What's uh, what's your thoughts on uh, Harden? Okay, so what I, what I think is, and, you know, there's going to be different points of view, but I think that um, Harden's got to run the team. And even though Embiid's your, your man, I think Harden understands spacing. He understands where people need to be, who needs to shoot. And if you don't let him control, be the controller, the quarterback on the team, you're just going to frustrate him and burn him out. And that, that is how you have one opinion and not, not two. <laughs> so I'm very strong on how I feel about this. And, and I watched it last night when Harden tried to tell him B to take a step down towards the basket and then B took it to mean I should take a step forward so you can give me the ball. Like he missed the whole point. Harden was trying to space out people so that they could beat the zone and, and B not playing basketball since he's five years old, you know, doesn't have the best grasp on all the fundamentals to team playing. Uh, Okay. I, I, I we gotta let you go. I mean, I kind of agree with some. Yeah, of what I think I, 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 I do. I know, I know what he's saying, but um, it's it, it, it works both ways. And you're going to see this team, you're going to see this team get better by the night. I mean, by the game. The, the more time they get to play together, the more they're going to understand each other's where each guy needs to be, where each guy wants the ball. But um, it, it actually is. It you know, Embiid knows where he wants to get the ball. I mean, he knows where he's effective, and he knows where he needs to be, and he knows when I get here, here's where, here's where I want to be when I get the ball. That's what Harden's going to have to learn. Yeah. This isn't for Harden to tell Embiid where to be. Embiid knows where he has to be to be effective. It's up to Harden to figure out where that spot is and get him the ball when he gets there. Yeah. After four games, by the way, pretty good so far. Oh, I would say so. The fact that all those two plus Maxi have all averaged over 25 points a game for those first four games. They've all each scored over 20 in every single game. Yeah, and I remember that. Never the, happened in the history of the NBA, they say. No, and I remember, I, I don't know if it was the Minnesota game or the first New York game, 
But I remember seeing Embiid interviewed after it was over, where Embiid said, I, I never had a game where I had so many easy shots, yes. right, where I had so many great looks. And I think that's just going to be the case I loved, nights. I, we got to hit the break here, but I love what Allah Abdelnabi said. It wasn't last night, but it was one of the other games. He said, Harden doesn't just pass it to you. He puts it in your pocket. Puts it in your pocket. I which, love that it's line. Great, it's a great way of describing it. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, his, uh, his teammate, Kate Scott, is going to join us around 1125. 215-592-9494. Um, Ray, we like to... Discuss all of the sports, all of the teams. Mm-hmm. Would you allow me to take a step back from Sixers Flyers in the next segment and just vent about the horribleness? I'm not even going to rant about baseball today because we'll wait till it comes back. Right. I got to rant about that fraud of a sham of a hockey team. Uh, okay. Okay. We'll do that. Ray and Glenn, 94 WIP. These three have come after turnovers. There's another one, and Fiala shot knocked down by Ristolainen in front. Seems like Fiala's around a lot of those turnovers, too, doesn't it? Here's Brodine, a shot. Score! Not sure if it deflected, but Hart couldn't get it. And for the first time tonight, the Minnesota Wild had the lead. It's 5-4. All right, Ray, I don't, I don't want to make the people suffer, and I don't want to bore the people who are fed up with hockey or don't care about hockey. But I do, and I almost feel a civic responsibility, and I believe you share my point. Mm-hmm that you cannot let this horribleness escape unnoticed. Right. And that they need to be called, and not just they, by the way, I'm going to call the media on the carpet too, need to be called on the carpet because I I don't know, you've been doing this longer than I have. I've only lived in this town for 36 years. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I've ever seen a franchise become so irrelevant. Even when the Sixers were horrible going through the process, People cared about him. People talked about him. It was was a debatable issue. Yeah, people talked about the process. Right. As low as the Phillies had gotten over some of those years, they were never invisible, irrelevant, just a total mock. And that's what you have now as the Flyers had another third period collapse. And people, you know, people say, why do you still bother to talk about the Flyers? And it's because I'm offended that one of our four major historic franchises with a proud history has a tendency that has evaporated. I showed you that picture earlier today of the crowd in that Minnesota game. Yeah. It was... They they declared there were 13,000 people there. No way. There were 3,000 people there. It was it was ridiculous. You can ignore it and you can make a joke about it. The players themselves have obviously quit. Right. Um the coach, or, the coach finally acknowledged that this week. Right. Or you can be infuriated about it. And I choose the latter. Okay. And it also really, but it it bothers me just how despicably bad they are. It also bothers me, and I and I, and I got to call it out that the Enquirer and the TV stations they don't really cover it. They you get you get this stupid irrelevant game stories and quotes from the coach. Like who cares the day after about you know the the play by play of the second period for God's sake? Right. Thank God for our friend Anthony Sanfilippo, who really does delve deep into the dead rot and the misguidedness, misguided priorities of this organization. Everybody else covers it like it's, oh, it's just another Thursday night game. And, yeah, by the way, the hockey editor for the Inquirer lives in Connecticut or Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. The editor doesn't even live in town. How in the world are they How are they trying to cover a franchise with an editor who doesn't even live here? I know. That's... You're an old newspaper guy. Do me a favor. Back me up on well, this. I've never heard of such a thing. I think it's outrageous. When I heard when I heard it, I thought it was – when somebody told me that that was the case, that the sports editor of the Inquirer lived in Boston, <laughs> I said, you're, you're kidding me, right? I mean, you really are kidding me, right? No, I'm not. Yeah, that's the sorry. That is the sorry state, and I've, you know, I feel really bad for. I listen. I spent my whole life with newspapers in Philadelphia, and I was proud to be part of it because it was a great industry, and we did great work. Uh, and it makes me really sad when I see what it is today because it is pitiful. Yeah. Well, we're talking about two things. <laughs> yeah. No. Right. right. The hockey franchise is, and the newspaper that. And by the way. There are many talented people at that newspaper. We have them on as guests. We like them. I still I subscribe to it. But the guidance that you're allowing, that, that this kind of horror, you have a franchise this horrible, and you have people writing like it's just a game story and never delving into it. Yeah, the, nobody, nobody, takes the, nobody looks at the bigger picture. Right. The bigger picture is the story. The Flyers did a town hall this last week, which, by the way, good for them. At least they're, you know, they're, they're starting to open it up a little bit. Uh, and they invited season ticket holders to come and ask questions. Um, 
the, none of the none of the papers, the media wasn't allowed. But I mentioned Anthony Sanfilippo, right, right. And, of uh, Snow the Goalie. And he did a smart thing. He asked these ticket holders, he said, do me a favor. When you go in, turn on your phone, record it, and I'll hear it. And he printed what the questions were. Right. Some of them were great. Some of them were a little irrelevant. Somebody was all upset about Kate Smith still. It's like, uh, let's move on from that. But, but there were very direct questions. And the fan base is evaporating. The fan base that is left is and should be incredibly mad at what this team has become. And um, that's my two minutes of giving it attention. Well, Thank I think you. you did a good job. I, uh, that, that was my vent. No, no, listen, that's and everything you said is is 100% correct. I can't challenge anything you said. Um, and I was thinking about it. I, I was thinking about that very thing. I was thinking about the way they're covered the way people don't talk about them. And what struck me was I, I thought, you know, it, they, it's almost as if they're a minor league team mm-hmm. playing in a major league city. And, you know, you've got, you know, the Sixers are a major league team, the Phillies are a major league team, the Eagles are a major league team, and the Flyers are a minor league team. Yeah. And they're being treated like a minor league team. Yeah. But, you know, when you look at it, they are a minor league team. They really are a minor league team playing in a major league building. And what's really appalling about it and, and this is part of it, is you watch them now and you don't even feel like you're getting a good effort. I mean, we've seen... No, we've no, s- they've, they've quit. We've seen bad teams. Lord knows we've seen bad teams in this town. But for the most part, they're bad teams that at least have given you a good effort. This team isn't even doing that. No. Uh, and you look at what they are right now. I mean, they are, they are really sad. I mean, the Edmonton game, there were a few more people at the Edmonton game because I think people yeah, kind of want to see... The, they want to see McDavid. They want to yeah. see Connor McDavid, who's right. a superstar. And, this, and, the, and the Flyers hung with them for a while, and Carter Hart played his butt off. Yeah. But they wind up, they can't score a goal, and they wind up losing. Yeah, and then, know and then the other night against, and then Thursday night against Minnesota, there's like nobody in the building. And they blow the lead, and they wind up losing the game. And whatever people were there, and I was watching at the end, whatever people were there, they were booing. I mean, there might have only been 3,000 people in the building, but, <laughs> but every one of them was booing yeah. at the end. That's what the team has become. Yep. As I said, dead rot. That's what it is. All right. That, that, that was my event, and thank you for letting me do it. Let me get to Mike, and then we'll get to Patrick. Mike, you're on with Ray and Glenn. Hey, guys. How's it going? All right. Good. So I just wanted to talk about um, Maxi and his progress. I'm absolutely thrilled with how he's doing. Um, I would kind of put him in there with Devin Booker um, because they both went to Kentucky, and they really weren't expected to ever develop into what they are. Um, and I really think mm. that the sky's the limit for this kid. He can really develop into um, one of the greats. And when I say that, I, I really mean it because I'm not just saying it as like a Philly fan. I, I think that he has the potential too because he's mirroring off of Embiid. He's mirroring off of um, Harden, and he's contributing a lot. Yeah, and um, it frees him up to do what he what he does best. Um, so I, I, I hear you. I, I agree with you on that. I've never seen anyone in my life that can move like him. The speed and the um, the shiftiness and, and driving into one gear to the next is is incredible. Instant energy, Ray. By the way, right? Who is this town's biggest Tyrese Maxey fan? Someone you know well. <laughs> oh, I know very well, Amy Fadul. Oh yeah, she's. Uh, come on, oh, she, I'm watching her on post game last a, night. She's a oh, Wildcat. she's bubbling up. Oh yeah, she's a Kentucky Wildcat. Oh, and listen, give yeah, we gotta um, get we we gotta talk to her one day. A little sexy. yeah, we should we yeah, should get in. She's she's always fine. What, what Amy, a, if you're out there, we want to talk to you. Soon. What a what a delightful person. God, I love I love working with Amy. Yeah. But yeah, I mean she she well she went to UK. She went she went to Kentucky and every, yeah, every she hasn't day, mentioned that more than about a thousand times. Yeah, well she was on. Listen, she she when the Tyrese Maxi when the bandwagon appeared, she was behind the wheel. Okay, <laughs> and no, no big surprise. But you know what? The thing is, he's living up to everybody. Oh yeah, oh, he's great. He's great. Patrick and Tabernacle, you're on with Ray and Glenn. Guys, good morning. Hey. Uh, yeah, I was laughing. <clears throat> Glenn, I, I appreciate. I, I'll talk about the Flyers here, but I I actually called up earlier and I asked to talk to uh, Roy Dinger about the Flyers. You know, and um, but <laughs> Glenn, it it's you you were very poetic. Um, yeah. I wish I had rage, and I wish I had fury that I could unleash upon the flyers well see but that's see and that's my problem is what they've done is their horribleness and their misguidedness and the lack of critical media coverage 
has just made everybody apathetic. Yeah. And that's it, that's what yeah. I can't abide by. And and I got a phone call. I want to apologize to the person who called um, out of the blue. I'm working. I get a phone call. I answer it. And it's someone with the flyers trying to sell tickets. And I and I laughed like I, I laughed like it's so funny. So bad because. You know, like here's someone just trying to do some, some, yeah. you know, imagine, I, and, imagine having and, that and as I your job right now. Right. Yeah. I, I know, I know. And it really hit me. And, and you know, what really hit me too is, and I've said this before, I believe the flyers died with uh, Mr. Snyder because it appears that what I always could count on with the flyers, I can no longer count on. And that's like, you know, win or lose, you're going to go there. You're going to see competitiveness. You're going to see, you know, I hate to use that term and Glenn, you know, you, you saw grit. And and gritty has become the face of the franchise. Yeah, which, Look, I went and bought. It, it took me two years to get my granddaughter to like the darn gritty yeah. dot. Now she loves it. You know what I mean? And it's like that. Uh, let's my let's move off it. of that before I, I become it. Roy Didinger Mac now and Ray. The, the, I, I'd like you to respond to, to what. Yeah, thanks, Patrick. Respond to what he said about the this when Snyder left. So did the soul of the team. Is kind of what he said. Oh, I think that's true. I, I think that's true. I mean, it. You know, Ed. Um, he didn't do everything right. You know, and, and in some ways when he was the owner, some ways he he overreacted. If there's such a thing as overcaring, I mean, th- sometimes I think he did that. Um, he was always, you know, he was always chasing every year's cup at the end, trying to make that trade, trading young players, trading draft picks for, you know, players who were at the end of their career, you know, Dale Howard Chucks and people like that, trying to squeeze one more run out of, out of the nucleus. And, you know, sometimes – you know, sometimes his impatience, I think, was counterproductive. But the one thing you could never question with with Ed Snyder was his caring, was his was the fact that, I mean, he had a million business interests and he was successful in pretty much all of them. But his baby, I mean, his 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 heart was the Flyers. That was that was for him. That was where the whole Snyder empire began, and um, and he was a guy that he you know he was the gatekeeper twenty four seven. And you don't have that now. I mean, you have a whole lot of people up running that team that have no real connection to the team. They have no sense of the team's history uh, and have tried to, in their way, try to build a new identity for the team. And the one that they've built is unwatchable. And it's an absolute affront to, to the old Flyers. Old Flyers fans, they can't watch this team. The people that really supported this team, the people that were the hockey fans, they can't they, – they've turned their back on this team because they can't go out every night and watch a team put on those jerseys and perform the way this team performs. So you've lost those people, and I don't know if you're ever going to get them back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, they're not getting new ones either. No. 215-592-9494. I see some of our friends in there. We will get you guys coming up. Uh, and we're going to talk to Kate Scott at 1125. Um, but coming up next, this week in Philadelphia sports history, it's a good one. Ray does turn into Roy. <laughs> I promise. A 94 WIP. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.